Tonight is Kent Johnson's second ever NHL game. And uh, after his pretty good debut, honestly, I thought we would talk to someone who knows a lot more about prospects than I do. So we've got Tony Ferrari here on today's show to talk about Kent Johnson's debut, what we liked, what we didn't like, and uh, who we think his future line mates should be. That is all coming up on today's Locked On Blue Jackets. Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, who are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster. Thank you for making this your first watch or your first listen of the day or the weekend. Locked On Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also on YouTube. So if you are not subscribed over there, make sure you head over to YouTube and hit the subscribe button basically as soon as possible, because that's really great for me and also for you, because then you get the episodes directly uh, notified on your phone, because that's how technology works. In today's episode, uh, I've got Tony Ferrari here, uh, draft expert, prospect expert, to talk about Ken Johnson's debut, uh, like I said at the top of the show, uh, things we liked, things we're excited to see more of, uh, things that he needs to work on. Was this too soon to bring him to the NHL? And also, uh, we talk a little bit about Cole Sillinger because I'm capable of uh, talking to a prospect guy without bringing up Cole Sillinger. So that's all coming up on today's episode. And uh, I'll just get right into it. So with Ken Johnson making his NHL debut on Wednesday night, he didn't necessarily do a lot on the score sheet, but I think he probably did. A lot more on the ice than uh, certainly I expected, and I thought, who better to come and talk about our newest prospect than uh, everybody's favourite prospect guy? So I've got Tony Ferrari here, who uh, we've done a couple of draft profiles with earlier in the season, but now we're uh, we're going to talk about Ken Johnson because I feel like there's a lot to say about Ken Johnson. <laughs> yeah, he's he's certainly a fun player. He's one of those guys that you watch and. The way I've described him oftentimes throughout the, the last couple of years is he's, he's you know, when you're 12 years old and you played the NHL video game and you were trying every deke you could possibly think of and you were dangling guys and it looked fantastic because it was a video game. That's Ken Johnson in a nutshell. He, he does all these video game moves. He likes to dip and dive and, and kind of cut through traffic and do all these goofy little things. And sometimes they don't lead to much, but when they do lead to something, it's it's oftentimes highlight real stuff. So. He's a guy that I think the upside is extremely high on, but I think he just needs to kind of choose, pick and choose when he's he's doing the kind of fancy stuff a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. I was talking to a different um, prospect guy, and he said that Kent Johnson is the kind of player that thinks he's the main character in everyone else's life, which is extremely funny. And also, yeah, that tracks like from the from having seen him play like in the World Juniors and the Olympics, and you know as much of the Michigan games that I could see because they're not super easy to watch over here but uh he plays like he's like the line is built around him which is not necessarily a bad thing but um how did you think his debut went i i think it was up and down i think it's pretty much exactly how i expected his debut to go to be completely honest he he had a few really nice moves he had some really nice moments i think his first shift he threw a hit which i wasn't really expecting and and then there, there was a couple moments on the power play where he'd be 
carrying the puck through the neutral zone and you do a weird little cut. He'd go into a 10 to two skating stride and then he'd make a really nice pass. So you're seeing all these building blocks for what he's going to be probably next year or the year after, but he's still very raw. He's still very much going, okay, I'm 170 pounds politely, um, generously. And I am playing against guys that are 215. They're listed at 210, but they're actually 225 in season because they've been eating and drinking and working out all year. And this guy is going to have to adjust to that. The strength level is, I think, a pretty decent issue. Um, but his skill outdoes that in so many areas of the ice, especially when he's out in the open ice. That's where he's a really big difference maker. And that's kind of where we saw him be a difference maker a little bit here. He didn't play much in the game, if I'm not mistaken. I think he played uh, about 10, 12 minutes in total. So it, it wasn't like he got a, a ton of room to kind of shine, but he did show little flashes of what we're going to see soon. Yeah, and he got a little bit of uh, second unit power play time, which yep. was... Uh which was good. And I think like, like you said, that's where he really kind of was, was the most noticeable. Um, and then there was another moment, moment, which I really liked. He made like a, a breakout pass to Oliver Bjorkstrand, who then got yeah. that really great two on two on one. That that was kind of the moment where I was like, Oh, that's what we're going to get from Kent Johnson when he's, you know, more than 170 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Um, and you know, when we, we talked a little bit on Twitter, about this and i said you know is he ready to make the nhl and you were like you said no uh, you would leave him in michigan be super patient and i was thinking about that and then i kind of thought about like the benefits of getting a couple of nhl games in now so that the team can look at him and basically say okay do this this and this over the summer come into training camp ready and they just they feel like two very kind of contradictory thoughts so do you still kind of think he would have been do you think he would have benefited from from another year in michigan or do you kind of think that okay there's not like there wasn't a ton more development he could do there so he might as well get into the organization so they can kind of get their hands on him so to speak yeah honestly if i'm being completely transparent i do think he probably could have used one more year at michigan uh he he had a really good year this year uh 37 points in 32 games so it's nothing to be shy about certainly he's still got a ton of potential and he's got all these raw tools that we saw as little flashes of but i i do think he needs to learn when to pick the pick his spots a little bit better for some of the fancy plays some of the the stuff where he does try to cut 10 to 2 or he tries to kind of dangle two guys at once or goes in alone and we didn't see much of the going in alone and and i i think one thing that you mentioned earlier is he likes to be the main character and we didn't see much of that that main character syndrome in the in the game he played the other day uh with columbus so that's a good thing, but at the same time, you want him to be the main character because of his skill set. So you want him to be ready to be the main character, and I just don't think he's quite ready to be that guy yet. With that said, I, I think, like you said, getting the games in now, letting Columbus see. I think John Davidson before the game even said, uh, yeah, like the, the one thing he's going to come into at the end of the year is go, wow, I really need to get stronger. And and I think that's, good. that's just the truth with Ken Johnson's game. Uh, physical strength is going to be the biggest stepping stone for him. And, and like you said, getting that look now, going into next year and then being able to build on that. And I, I think we're going to see some ups and downs in his rookie season next year. But that's why I would have said, do what you did this year, where you pull him out of college as soon as the season ends and gives him, give him the few games one year from now. And that's kind of where I would have approached it. But I certainly don't think it's going to hurt his development at all. Like you said, if anything, it maybe accelerates it a little bit. But he, there is going to be a few more growing pains, I think, in that rookie year than, than maybe we would have seen in an additional year's time. Yeah, I wonder if it's kind of the same thing as, because we kind of saw it a little bit this year with Cole Sillinger, where 
which who we're going to talk about in a minute because I will talk about Cole Sollinger forever. Um, but we kind of I was really shocked when he made the team. Yeah, I think everyone was was really surprised. They were expecting him to go back to Medicine Hat or um, go to the AHL potentially because there was that weird loophole because he played his last year in the the USHL. But I do wonder if having him make the team now has allowed the Blue Jackets to basically just kickstart his development. And I think the Blue Jackets have done a pretty good job this yeah. season with player development, guys like uh, him and uh, Igor Chunikov as well, I feel like has improved a ton over this season. Obviously, he's uh, he's injured at the minute, so he wasn't playing in the, in the Wednesday game. But I wonder if that's the kind of thinking that, well, we can do more good if he's on the team. And then maybe next year he spends a bunch of time in Cleveland, yeah. uh, which wouldn't surprise me. And then maybe he has a like this monster summer and puts on ten pounds of muscle and comes to it seems extremely unlikely because the kids are string bean, <laughs> but you know it could. It'll be interesting to see how he looks in these kind of the, the eight games left. I think they have versus training camp because of yeah. this summer of specific Blue Jackets development. And I don't think the Mich- the University of Michigan development is necessarily bad, yeah. but I think the 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 you know the player development department at in Columbus, I think is probably quietly one of the better ones in the league. And I don't know if that's bias, but I I see good things coming out of the, the prospect department in Columbus. In a minute, we're going to talk to Tony some more about Ken Johnson and about uh, what kind of line mates we think would be fun for him. First, I want to tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports information. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. They've got, like I said, they've got basketball, they've got baseball, they've got football preseason stuff they've got hockey they've got boxing ufc your favorite vegas casino games if you want to put some money on tonight's game against the kings about uh honestly i would take the over that would be my bet for tonight's game then you can do that at betonline.net so head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action because bet online is where the game starts yeah I, I think you made a really good point there about cleveland too i think that's that's the other key uh, wrinkle to this this uh transaction of him coming to the nhl right now is next year if if you deem him not ready in, in training camp if you give him say 10 games at the start of the year and you go you know what he's not quite comfortable you know what go spend a little bit of time in the ahl get comfortable and come back up and we saw that with cole caulfield this year and now there are some mitigating circumstances i think dominic ducharme was a dumpster fire of a coach there and there was a lot of in jail for what he did to cole there, Caulfield's rookie oh season. my god there was so <laughs> there was so much wrong there and i thought i, I feel like we saw that on their Stanley Cup final run the year before too. Like they were just like this fraudulent team the whole time that was winning in spite of their coaching. And then mm-hmm. we saw it obviously at the start of this year, and it was pretty unfortunate. But that that same wrinkle kind of applies to Kent Johnson in terms of he has that ability to go now down to Cleveland if he needs to this year. He or sorry next year, and he'll be able to kind of take a few games down there if he needs to build some confidence if that if that's an issue or or just use that as an experience to gain some of that strength and i think one of the underrated things about the AHL that people don't talk about is because the AHL is kind of the league where either you have really high end developmentally developmental players or you have these 10 year veterans that haven't quite either made the NHL or they had a cup of coffee in the NHL but they're just trying to keep their pro careers alive 
and they're these big physical brooding guys. You end up with guys like Kyle Clifford and dudes like that down there who are more physical presences than actual skill players. So playing in the AHL, I've, I've heard from multiple players that are currently in the NHL that that's actually a more physical league. That's the league where you learn to deal with the physicality. That's the league where you learn to get bullied a little bit here and there by these guys that at the end of the day, they're just trying to keep their careers alive. So they're going to do whatever they have to do to do it. So that's good. That could be a really good experience for a guy like Ken Johnson, who's going to, who could go down there and understand, okay, like if I can deal with this level of physicality where they're just targeting me because I'm able to do things that they're completely not, not capable of doing. When I get to the NHL, there's only one line of that on a team, maybe not two or three, like the AHL. So do I have more space? Do I have the ability to kind of play a more skilled game? We've seen that with multiple players over the years where they go to the AHL as, as 20, 20 year olds, 21 year olds, and their numbers are fine. They're almost a point a game or they're just under a point a game. And then they get to the NHL and you're like, oh, like we expected you to be a 40 point guy and you're a 65, 70 point guy because all of those things that you dealt with, you're no longer having to deal with and you're more used to that stuff. So I think that's a really good point of, of him being able to go to Cleveland because it'd be a really good setup for him too. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the uh, the AHL kind of being a, a tougher league to play in, yeah. I think, because you always think oh, guys that are in, good in the NHL should be dominating in the AHL, and it's just not always the case. I mean, like, specifically with the Blue Jackets, we saw, and this is not quite the same thing, obviously, but JF Barube has struggled in Cleveland this year, and then he had that, like, four-game call-up yeah. for Columbus, and he had, like, a 936 per save percentage. He beat Washington and um, he beat another uh, Florida as well. He beat the Florida yeah. Panthers. And uh, I was like, who is this? Like, and, and who is Jay Peruba, you know? And then he yeah. went back to the AHL and he struggled. So I think it's... it's. And with goalies, it's even more interesting because I think with goalies, so much of it relies on the team in front of them playing a good defensive structure. And in the AHL, like I said, you have guys either trying to save their careers in their early 30s or you have these young players who are trying to figure out how to play pro games. So your defensive structure down there isn't quite as good. So oftentimes guys get filled in in the AHL coming to the NHL and you're like, oh, okay. Like I think Toronto's seeing that right now with a guy like Shalgren who down in the AHL, his numbers were perfectly fine. So when he got NHL starts, everyone was like, oh, like, is this going to, this going to be awful? And he's kind of saved little parts of their season so far this year. So it, it's been really nice to see. And I think that's kind of that situation with goalies. And like you said, the AHL is a weird league it's tougher it's got some skill guys there's certainly not bad players down there by any means but you do have two or three lines that kind of resemble a fourth line that would be in the nhl so you have more physical guys down there and, and sometimes those guys are able to rack up points because of their physicality and everything but it is a different game than the nhl and i think that plays into goalies that plays into forwards especially a a, a player like ken johnson who his biggest weakness right now is just the physical strength that he doesn't have yeah, for sure. It's it's a good stepping stone, I think, between obviously he's kind of been able to have his way with the puck basically nonstop in Michigan. Yeah. He can kind of do everything. And then you could kind of see a little bit in the, the game last night, or not last night, like Wednesday night, um, that he was trying these things and you could tell that they would probably work in the NCAA and they weren't working because he was doing yeah. them against like jake evans for example yeah. um and it's super interesting to think about kind of okay so he's learned all the skill in the ncaa now he's going to go to the ahl potentially to learn how to not get murdered by exactly. uh, people and then he's going to turn up 
in the NHL, hopefully having put those two things together. Um, also, speaking of, of strength, um, he's talked quite a bit about how he, obviously he was drafted as a centre. He played wing basically his entire college career on that just ridiculous line with uh, Brisson and Matty Beneers. Do you think he can make it in the NHL as a centre or do you think he is a winger that can probably win a few face-offs if needed? Never say never, but William Nylander was drafted as a center as well. Mitch Marner was drafted as a center as well. Lucas Raymond has, was envisioned as a center at one point. Um, you look around the league and there's so many players drafted as centers that at the end of the day just aren't centers. And I think Ken Johnson kind of fits that profile. I think his, his game can really excel on the wing. I think that's where he can really kind of become the player that we all want him to be. Because like I said, if you can get a guy that is a video game on the ice in the NHL on a consistent basis, that's just fun, fun hockey. And I, I want that. I want to see that. And I think being a center kind of eliminates some of that from his game. I think being a center doesn't allow him to play to his strengths. And at the end of the day, I think he just excels a little bit more off the wing. So I, I think he is kind of going to be a, a, a winger in the long term. Do I see them kind of trying him at center? Of course. It, it makes sense to try him at center. You, you don't throw a guy or you don't draft a guy as a center, especially that high in the draft, and not at least look at him in that spot. So whether it's possibly a training camp situation where they try him out in the preseason and go, eh, maybe not, or they give him a, a, a small run in the NHL and then move him to the wing. I think there, there's options. He'll get tried there probably, but I do think he's a, a winger long-term, and that kind of opens up a few options on the roster with with who he could play with. Yeah, for sure, which is, is going to lead really nicely into uh, my next question. But I think it's, it's probably the thing about Columbus is that we have like one and a half centers on a good day. Yeah. So I don't think it hurts to maybe give him a shot at center and see, you know, whether that's what he can do. But like at the minute, our number one center is Jack Roslovic. Like our number one center for most of the season was Boone Jenner, who is a winger. Um, you know, so Columbus is is in need of, of some centers, but... And this is, uh, you know, to, to go into kind of who he could play with. I have been excited thinking about him and Cole Sillinger on the same line for basically since they were both drafted and I got to watch them play a little bit. And obviously that's what you, you talk about that a little bit on Twitter. And then you add, you know, an elite transition guy like Oliver Bjorkstrand in. Like, is that like is that the best possible line that the Blue Jackets could put together, do you think? Or is there anyone else on the roster that you think Ken Johnson could have some success with. I think that's the the line I want to see because I think that's the line I think you could envision being the top line for five, six years. I think that could be a line that is a real difference maker and in, in something that intimidates other teams. And I think that's something Columbus has lacked in the last few years, is uh, especially since Panarin left. You don't really have that guy that when you step on the ice with them, you go, Oh shit, we have to deal with so and so. Like we don't we have to deal with Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid or, and those guys are obviously unicorns, but you, you look at teams like Detroit and you go, oh, we have to deal with Lucas Raymond and we have to deal with Dylan Larkin. And you look at other teams across the league, Calgary, Johnny Goudreau, Elias Lindholm, Brady, Matthew Kachuk, even in Ottawa, Brady Kachuk doesn't score 70 points a year, but he's a piece of crap to deal with. And the, the Blue Jackets have some guys like that. I think Boone Jenner is an underrated guy like that. I think, there are some players that you look at and you go, oh, it's going to be a long night, but you don't look at it and you go, they're going to blow the game up and we don't have a chance. And, and I think that's what Ken Johnson and Cole Sillinger could be together. I think that that line would be ridiculous. And, and like you said, you, I, I mentioned pairing a, a high-end transition guy. Uh, uh, Borkstrand would be really fun. 
Um, I, I think I was talking to someone else and they were talking about Voracek on that line as the, the wily old vet making grow the beard out and go Joe Thornton on them. And I, I think that would be really fun too, because I think he'd bring that, that really methodical element to that line. And I think that he's still got some underrated game, game, game breaking ability at times. And it's still there once in a while. And he's still passing the puck with the best of him. He's still an excellent playmaker. His goal, st- goal scoring has fallen off a little bit this year, but I think you put him on a line with those two and he gets some sneaky goals, especially around the net doing what he does and kind of coming in off the wing or hiding in the shadows. There's a lot that Voracek could bring that line too. So there's options for that other wing, but I think the real drivers of that line are going to be Ken Johnson and Cole Sillinger if they get to play together. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I want to talk about Cole Sillinger for a little bit actually, because he has kind of been, he's kind of flown under the radar this season, I think as a rookie because of, you know, Trevor Zegers is out here like dangling guys out of their jock straps and Maurice Sider is probably one of the best young defensemen that the Red Wings have seen in a very, very long time. And then there's, you know, 85 year old Michael Bunting <laughs> getting, getting called a consideration. And so Cole Sillinger never really has kind of had a chance to get in that conversation, but considering, you know, he's got 13 goals this season on a, an aggressively mediocre Blue Jackets <laughs> team, let's say, and he's, not even 19 yet. He's 19 next month, I think. You know, how how impressive has his season been? Is this what you expected from him, or is this kind of a surprise? Cole Cylinder was one of those guys where people were like, if, if there's a sneaky guy in, in the draft, who's going to kind of sneak onto an NHL roster, depending on where they get drafted? And I feel like a lot of people went with Cole Cylinder because he was physically developed. He's a guy that... Uh, you know what he's kind of going to be in the NHL, or at least people thought they knew what he was going to be in the NHL. And I, I felt like he could be a great complimentary player. He could be a great passenger on a line if he got into the NHL. And he stepped into the NHL, and I was like, oh, so he's going to do it. He's going to do what we all expected. It was not an expected, but he's going to do what kind of we all had in the back of our minds as a possibility. And, and I think he's exceeded expectations in that regard because he's not necessarily the passenger on that line. I think he does a lot to drive that line himself. And we're seeing that that kind of play driving ability starting to bubble up to the surface with him. Like you mentioned, he has 13 goals on the season, 26 points. It's a pretty solid rookie season for an 18 year old who stepped into the NHL literally after a, a weird COVID season where it forced him to go down to the United States to play for a little bit. And then he was, and of course he played junior hockey and medicine hat as a 16 year old. So it's like, he's been all over. He's kind of not ever really found a stable ground. So for an 18 year old to be able to get into the NHL and look like he has a responsible player, I think his defensive game has kind of grown this year. He's showing some really nice tendencies on as a center. I think long-term I look at Cole Sillinger and I'm like, that could be the number one center for the blue jackets. He's the kind of guy that I look at and I go, this is a guy that succeeded expectations year one out of the draft. What is he going to do in year three or four when he's, even more physically developed. He's got even more power on his shot. He's a real difference maker as a goal scorer. How much does his playmaking improve uh, on, on top of what it's already done this year? And and then, like we said, I, I mentioned that it'd be nice to have a high-end transition player like Bjorkstrand on a line with him and Kent Johnson, but is Cole Sillinger going to develop that? Because we've seen flashes of it this year. So there's a lot to like with Cole Sillinger. I think he's exceeded what everyone kind of thought of him. And Going into last year's draft season, when at the start of the year, Cole Sillinger was a guy that a lot of people kind of had sneaky a top five guy, and he kind of fell down the boards. And I think that was just because no one really impressed last year because it was such a weird year. So Cole Sillinger going where he did to Columbus was a great pick. Obviously, pairing him with with uh, Kent Johnson in their draft in their pro- prospect pool, and now he's coming in making a difference already at eighteen. It, it's just been a really impressive season, in my opinion. 
yeah, the Blue Jackets, I think, have, have done very well in this draft. And I think when you, like, even looking back on it now, you look at kind of who was drafted between Johnson and Sillinger, and you're like, how did how did Sillinger fall to 12th? Like, I'm thrilled that he did, but, like, you look at, for example, um, the Senators drafted... Tyler Boucher. You know, son of noted Ottawa Senators employee Guy Boucher, you know? But, um, and you just, you just look at that and you're like, man, we really, we really lucked out with, with Cole Sillinger. And I'm super, super excited for like, maybe not next season, this Blue Jacket squad, but the season after that, I think is going to be really a lot of fun. Yeah, they've got a really sneaky good prospect pool. I, I still think there's going to be pieces to add this year and next year in the draft. I think they're still going to need a, a couple more pieces. But yeah, with Kent Johnson and Cole Sillinger coming out of last year's draft, I think, like you said, you look at the the guys that went ahead of them. Uh, Tyler Boucher obviously is is what he is. I don't think it's you can't really say anything about it. It's not he hasn't had a good draft plus one. Um, the Senators messed up a little bit there. But you're looking at guys like. William Eklund, he he went back to Sweden this year. Is is that going to be a guy that you look at Cole Sillinger and you go, is he better then? And and I don't know. There's a long a long way to go, but there, there's a lot of value that was drafted in that top twelve that you're seeing Cole Sillinger at least look comparable to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I will not tell the Locked On Sharks guys that you uh, you oh, said they, that Sillinger might be better than Eklund because they might no, find your house. But, they, uh... they love me. They're fine. They know I love William Eklund, and, and, and that's just it. Like. That that group from from six to from six to twelve with with where Sillinger ended up, outside of Tyler Boucher, I, I again I don't want to dump on the kid, but it wasn't a great pick. Um, but that whole six to twelve range, I think there's a lot of players in there that you're like, which one of these guys is going to turn out to be the star of this group? Because there's a lot of talent in that group that, because of such a weird year with with COVID and the pandemic and everything and interruptions in the seasons last year, which one of them is going to be the guy that? was affected by that, that we should have seen go in the top five. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do want to finish off, obviously, talking about this year's draft, we've touched on a couple of, of prospects, I believe. We talked about Shane Wright and Brad Lambert um, earlier in the season. Blue Jackets have got a couple of picks. Uh, who is there anyone that you think would fit in particularly well on this Blue Jackets roster that is probably going to pick in, it's probably going to go between maybe, say, 5th and 15th. There's a there's a lot of fun players in this draft, and I think the thing with this draft is after 1 and 2, pretty much, maybe even 3 with Juracek kind of filling in that third spot, there's a lot of variety in, in who people think are going to go where, whether it's a Matthew Savoy or a Frank Nazar, uh, a Joachim Kamel, I know a lot of people were really high on him at the start of the season and kind of kind of cooled down a little bit, but there's a lot of talent. I, I look at a guy like Gleb Trikazov, who's a Russian kid who's got all this crazy, insane talent. We've we've seen Columbus go off the board from time to time, and the pick ended up looking pretty decent afterwards. So maybe he's a guy that people look at because there's a, a few public boards with him in the top 15, including my own. So it's going to be really interesting, but a guy that I, I really like for them in that range, if they could land him, is a guy like Yuri Slavkovsky, big uh, hulking winger again you you'd like a center but a lot of the centers after the, those top two guys are, are much in the same boat as ken johnson are they going to be a center or are they going to be a winger at the next level so you get a guy like slavkovsky who's this huge huge frame got a ton of power to his game plays that real power forward game that columbus seems to love and he's 
I this is gonna uh, you know I'm not even gonna say I was gonna oh well whatever. Rick Nosh was a guy that Columbus loved for years because of the power and the speed and the skill that he blended in his game. And while I don't think Euro Slavkovsky is gonna be quite Rick Nash because Rick Nash is a legend, but Slavkovsky brings some of those same elements to his game. So if he can play on the wing and do some of the stuff that Rick Nash used to do in Columbus, I think he could easily be a fan favorite there as well and be a guy that would add to this roster and give them an element that I think. Columbus seems to love on their teams over the years, and, and you can never have too much of it, especially when it comes with really good skill, and that's what Slavkovsky has. Yeah, for sure. I talked I talk to um, one prospect guy who was like, yeah, he skates well, and not like well for a big guy, he just skates well. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's good. But yeah, I don't necessarily agree with, there's been a lot of, of talk about how Columbus needs to find grit and find some size. Obviously, you know, Boone Jenner's out injured at the minute. Uh, we lost Pierre-Luc Dubois last season, who was one of our, you know, he's one of maybe five genuine power forwards in this league. Josh Anderson was a big body. Uh, Nick Foligno obviously will go toe-to-toe with anyone. And I do think that they don't necessarily need like grit and punchiness, but I do think maybe someone who is taller than 5'11 yeah. might uh, might help. Although Patrick Laine is like 6'5", which I always forget until I see him next to other players. But he's also not a guy that's going to throw that size around. So yeah. someone like Slavkovsky could be could be interesting. Yeah, Patrick Laine is a player I love. I love Patrick Laine. He's such a fun player to watch. But he's very much the 6'3", six, 6'4", 6'5", player that plays like a 5'11 player who doesn't mm-hmm. really love throwing his body around. Yeah. So um, for people who want to learn more about prospects, uh, check in with the Maple Leafs, I guess. If, you know, I can't, I can't in good conscience encourage that, but if people want to check in on the, the Maple Leafs, talk about prospects oh. or anything, uh, where can they find you and your work? Well, I try to avoid talking about the Maple Leafs as much as I can, despite growing up a fan of them, because they are the Maple Leafs and it's frustrating. Uh, so I'm usually talking wings or sends or whoever's who, basically whoever's bad in the league, their prospect pool because they usually have the fun <laughs> prospects. Um, but no, so you can find me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari and all my works over at the Hockey News as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for uh, coming to talk about Kent Johnson, Cole Sillinger, and uh, I'm sure we'll have to have you on at some point later in the season when we know where the Blue Jackets are picking, so we can talk more uh, more prospects. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely be happy to come back on.